I'm Tony Miller with KCDM, your host for the show this evening. I'm joined by Father Mike once again. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you. For another episode of Father Mike at the Mic. Now, our, our experiment marks the third episode and continues to evolve. We're going to mix it up a little bit in this episode. We're not going to do a Bible reading during this show. We kind of decided that the Bible readings were, since the show runs over two weeks, the Bible reading is relevant for the first week, but not so relevant for the second week. So we're just going to skip the Bible reading tonight. Um, If you'd like us to put the Bible reading back, give us a holler. uh, Send us an email at webmaster at kcdmradio.org and let us know your input on the show. We'd appreciate it. And if any of our guests tonight have any questions about the readings in the Bible or something that you've heard during Sunday Mass, Weekend Mass, Daily Masses, whatever, uh, Father Mike knows it all. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, I don't uh, know about that. We'll have him answer your questions. I'll try. Or get clarification, one of the two. <laughs> um, so the premise of this show is everyone has questions. Everyone struggles with their faith. Everyone, at some point, I would imagine, has wanted to sit down with the priest and ask them questions and get their questions answered. So that's what we're going to try to do on this show, is uh, have uh, post Father Mike questions and uh, get his insight on that, and and also uh, the guest's insight too, what what you guys think and how it affects your lives and uh, what your your opinions and, and that are. Um, I'm sure if uh, if we go off on a tangent, Father Mike will will, will hit the heresy buzzer and uh, and let us know. So um, our guests tonight are Dennis and Tammy Kramer. Welcome. Thanks, Thanks. for having us. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you taking the leap and and uh, coming on the show. Uh, this is the second time you've talked us into this, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Now, you were good the first time, so I figured you'd, you'd be good oh, for another Oh, the pressure. It was, oh, a, the it, pressure. Was, it was an easy sell. You did good. And our other guest tonight is Steve Barry. Welcome. Good evening. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here. I appreciate you answering the call. Yes, always. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always looking for more people uh, to come on the show and share their stories and their questions uh, with us. So if you're interested in that, let us know. And if you get an invitation from me to uh, to be on the show, it, it is serious. <laughs> it is required. You cannot decline it. I'm, I'm not teasing. <laughs> don't say no. Yeah, don't say no. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for being here. Uh, in our news and notes tonight, we've got to talk about uh, Lent starting on the 14th, Valentine's very, very Day. Very soon, Valentine's Day. And the... Lent is really early this year, isn't it? Early this year. It's not as early as it can be, but it is early. That means that Easter is March 31st. So we have all of that time. Half of February and all of March. And I remember when I was in my birthday is the 26th of March. Okay, we'll we'll write that down. I remember when I was a kid, twice before I got out of high school, Easter fell on my birthday. Right. Very rare that it would follow. I was going to say, it doesn't happen very often. It only happens every 14 years or so. But um, Easter can actually fall on my birthday, the 26th of March, which is kind of weird. But anyway. (laughs) What determines? Well, that's the first first question I can't answer completely to your satisfaction. 
but it has something to do with the arrangement of the stars in the, the sky cycle, and the lunar cycle like and that's, all that's of that. Right. So, that's right. and to make things even more complicated, uh, Easter is is different in the Eastern Church, in the Orthodox Church, than it is in the Roman Church. So that makes things a little bit more complicated. Actually, got a big bingo ball, bingo ball machine, and Avery's reaching in. Pull out a date. <laughs> it's one of the things I like about Christmas is it's always on the twenty fifth. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so what's everybody doing for Lent? Does anybody have any, you know, giving up chocolate or? You know, I don't really. I guess I really don't give up a whole lot. I try to incorporate more things. Mm -hmm. You know, a little bit of fasting, um, more prayer. Um, we try to, you know, do all the things through Holy Week, which was a blessing to us last year. That was very important yeah. and very faith-filled and, and um, emotional. So I want to do that again. Yeah, that's one of the things I like to do is try to make Palm Sunday and then do everything I can possibly do through Holy Week um, to try to do a little extra. I try to get in a little extra adoration too. That's really special too if you can get, it's it's not possible for me to get to 8 a.m. Mass anymore, um, but I guess I could go on Saturdays, couldn't I? That's oh, something else I could do. Yeah, yeah that, maybe that's what I should do. Because he, now that he's retired, he goes to Mass in the mornings. And I'm like, I'm racing out the door to go to work and he's racing out the door to go to church and I'm like, I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Steve? I am, I usually add something and I've got a book, a uh, handbook for Christian apologetics or Catholic apologetics by mm. Peter Kreft or Kreft, however you say. Okay. It's a good thick book and I always try to delve into something hard during Lent and to me, it looks like this will be easy. That might do it. <laughs> the other thing I have is I have William Bennett's The Book of Virtues. Mm, yeah, I Good. saw that today. Yeah. And my uh, my parents gave that to me long time ago. And it's just sat on the shelf collecting dust. And so I may try to crack that open. And um, That's not a small book either. No, it's a big one. Um, but there are a lot of virtues, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The other thing we can talk about is uh, uh, February 16th will be the first Friday of Lent. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, means KC uh, Fish Fry begins. Yes, the Knights of Columbus. We're going to fry some fish again this year. Are you involved in that? Almost definitely. Yes. What What do you do? What's your... What's fry, your the, fry the fish. Oh, you're a fryer. Yes. Yes. We've got a father and a friar. <laughs> <laughs> Not the kind of friar you're thinking of. <laughs> you I can attest to that. <laughs> spelled differently. You, you don't have the brown robe with the hood and everything? You no. should show up that way. I don't, I don't think I'd fit the yeah, part. I'm the friar. <laughs> yeah, I'm the friar. <laughs> That'd be great. What well, are you serving besides catfish this year? Or are you uh, serving different things? Every year that uh, we have the fish fry, it's cheesy potatoes is, a, is an always mm -hmm. yeah. uh, side to our fish fry. And then we have coleslaw. Coleslaw, okay. Yes, and then uh, usually we serve it with a dinner roll and butter. And then there's a choice of lemonade, uh, water, coffee. Okay. And this year they're going to, uh, I think we're going to offer 
like uh, cans of uh, soda and then uh, beer. If oh, really? Wants to, wants to have a beer, they can oh. uh, put a Goodwill donation in there and have a beer with their fish oh. dinner. That's new, isn't it? Yes, yes. Of course, the last couple of years have been COVIDed. Yes, yes. So. It was kind of crazy when we to go orders the last few years or the couple of years ago now, but it was kind of. But now we're getting back into having it here at the parish center, so where people can actually sit down and have some conversation, conversation, and, and yeah, uh, socialize, yeah. yeah, with their with their friends. Well, that's good. So the when will the last fish fry be then? It, it was. Uh, the Good Friday is on the 29th, is that right? And, mm -hmm. Yes. And so it's the week before will be the last one, the 22nd of so March. 22nd of March will be the last fish That's fry. The last day. fish fry, yes. And then what's it, do you know what's going to cost yet? Or uh, This year we raised it a dollar to $14 a meal. Okay. Um, and then uh, we're going to offer a kid's meal because those fish portions are pretty good size. Mm -hmm. And so we want to offer a kid's meal for kids 10 and under. Okay. Uh, they can purchase purchase that. It's half of half a fish, half of the cheesy potatoes, and half of the coleslaw, and then still with the roll and everything. And then it's that's seven dollars. Oh, very good. So, all right. Well, the next uh, the next news item I have is on uh, February twenty sixth. Uh, the Divine Mercy Parish is holding a blood drive. And that will be from 2.30 to 5.30 p.m. at St. Mary's Parish Center. So if you're a blood donor, you can come out and sign up. Uh, Deb Trousel and Kathy Cahill are coordinating the event. So if you have any questions, give them a call. Uh, and you can, if you can't donate then, you can go into the blood center and tell them that you want your donation to go to the church. And they can credit you for that. So... Um, I didn't know that until I went in to give platelets and they said, who do you want your donation to go to? And I went, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Who's my choices? Uh, so then they let me do my donation to credit it toward the church. So that's something you can do if you can't make it during those times. So, all right, now we've got the, uh, the hard stuff out of the way. Father Mike, do you want to get us started with a uh, opening prayer here? Mm -hmm. Do you want a long prayer or a short prayer? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, All these good people. Do, do you have short prayers? I do, I do have short prayers. <laughs> <laughs> when you were asking what people are going to give up for Lent, I what I, I did I don't really give up too much, but I try to make my sermons shorter and I try to show up on time for church. <laughs> That's a real effort for me, you know. <laughs> okay. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing and your help. Give us the grace to have our minds enlightened um, by our thinking about and discussing some of the great tenets of faith. Uh, help us to understand your divine love for us and your constant mercy. Grant that uh, your peace may descend upon all peoples, especially those who are in danger. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Mike. You're welcome. All right. So when we, on, on our last show, as we were finishing up, Father, we were, uh, we were talking about the popes. Okay. And the, uh, you were listing off the popes that you had uh, 
lived through, I guess. I don't um, know how you put that. Maybe met. Ex- experience. <laughs> experience, yeah. Experience um, would be better. Yeah. And, and the list was quite extensive, as I recall. Well, it's only because uh, there have been quite a few popes in the last uh, 50 years, you know, that we have had. Um, a pope is elected for life by the cardinals, and so if you elect, uh, normally uh, it's usually a man in his 70s or his late 60s, uh, but John Paul II came along, and he was only 57 when he was elected, So, and he lived 27 years as pope, so... Uh, that made uh, a long time there with with him as Pope. But then we had a number of Popes. His predecessor, John Paul I, Albino Luciani, he uh, was only Pope for a month because apparently he had a heart condition that nobody knew about. So... uh, so you had the short, one of the shortest popes on record, right, right, right before the one of the longest popes on record, uh, John Paul II, uh, uh, Karol Wojtyla was his name in Polish. Uh, he was uh, uh, the, I think, the second or third longest pope in the whole two thousand year history of the of the papacy. So, mm-hmm. so, but we've seen quite a few. You know, I go back to nineteen forty three, which was my birth year. And we've had Pius XII, John XXIII, uh, and then we'd had uh, uh, Pope uh, Paul VI. And then after Paul VI, we had Albino Luciani, John Paul I, and then we had John Paul II. And then we have uh, and then we have Pope Benedict and then Pope Francis. So that brings us all up to date. Most people's lives, I was talking to my dad, and he only lived through a couple of popes, and most people are lucky to see more, not lucky to see more than, you know, one or two popes in their whole lifetime, depending on how it all works out. And and Pope Benedict was kind of a an outlier, if you will, uh, because he, re- he actually resigned from the papacy. Yes, he did. And one of the few popes to, to resign, uh, I think it was like 400 years from the last pope that resigned and and then he lived another another twenty years or fifteen years, so as a pope uh, emeritus, as they used to call him. So, uh, yeah, and that was a whole interesting history of the church. Yeah, it was interesting having two popes at the same at time. the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I didn't know you could do that. Well, it's possible. It just wasn't done in four hundred years, so we would not be familiar with it at all. You know. Uh, but we actually only had one pope at any one particular time. There was, a, in the history of the church, there was a, a time of real confusion, mm-hmm. even worse than today, when we actually had three popes, terms, yeah. all claiming to be pope. With uh, with Pope <laughs> really? Benedict, he yeah. never claimed to be pope after he resigned. So you actually, he always insisted, he said, Francis is the real pope to those people that didn't like what Francis was doing. And so they were going back to the days when when uh, Pope Benedict was Pope, and he said, we wish he had another Pope or something. And he said, no, one Pope at a time, you know. But in the history of the church, there were actually three Popes. So, but there never, really, there was, I, I have to correct myself, really, theologically, we can trace it back, and there was only really one Pope. It was just so much confusion at that time. They didn't know. We had saints on both, on all three sides, uh, plugging for their own man, you know, so was uh, finally resolved by 
uh, one pope resigning uh, his office, and I think there was a battle or two involved in that. There was way back in the Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, the only one remaining resigned, and so you had no pope, and they elected a new one. So So did that happen before the, the, the church Protestant split? In the sixteenth yes, yeah, century, mm -hmm. that was before then. Even. Before then, they were in different. weren't they in different countries? They were in yeah. different yeah. country. Yeah. Yeah. One was the, the French Pope who mm -hmm. took the took the sea, we call it, mm -hmm. from Rome to Avignon, France, which is in the French Riviera. And uh, then we had one in Pisa, Italy, where the Leaning Tower is. And then we had one in Rome, who stayed in Rome. So. And I believe he, I don't know, I'd have to check my history on it, but I believe the one who stayed in Rome was originally declared the, the true pope. Yeah. But then he resigned to, to get out of the way so they could start fresh. Yeah. So what does the, the, the popes, after they're elected, mm -hmm. they change their names? Usually. It's a tradition goes back to the Middle Ages. Um, if you look up at a, it's interesting to go to the library and look up a book on the on the history of the popes. There are volumes of, in, in our library here. We've got a good selection. Um, and it'll show you all the popes from Peter all the way to Francis. And uh, it shows you the first, what were you saying earlier about who, or have you mentioned that yet about how many popes were saints and all that i did yeah i did a little research there in the since christ handed peter the keys mm -hmm. um there have been 266 popes mm -hmm. right in roughly 2000 some years right um and um 83 of those popes have officially been recognized as saints right and most church. of those were within the first 200 years of the church because most of those popes were martyred you know it's only recently, my recent, I mean 150 years, that's a drop in the bucket as far as the history of the church is concerned. But it's only recently that we have had a number of popes back to back who have been declared saints as well, which I'll have something to say about later on in the program. But uh, uh, the, we had the, the first, if you look in the first uh, 200 years when the church was under great persecution from the Roman authorities, uh, most of those popes were martyred. It became a tradition, and I can't tell you when, I think the 12th century, but it became a tradition that when Jesus changed the name of Simon to Peter, Simon was Peter's real name. Okay. He changed it to Simon Peter. Peter's Petrus means rock. I am, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. That's what our Lord said to him. Uh, it became a tradition in the by the 11th century. It took him a thousand years to get this tradition going, but uh, it became a tradition that when, when a man was elected pope, he would follow that example and he would change his name. And many of the early popes, their names were they they changed them not only because of the tradition, but because their civil names were pagan names: Mercury and and Valerian and some others. So they changed their names to saint, saint names. And so that's where you begin that tradition. And it has continued all the way down to, to 2024. 
There's no obligation that a man changes his name. I always said in jest, of course, but in jest, I always said, if I was ever elected Pope, I would not change my name. I'd want Pope Michael I. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, that's not going to happen. (laughs) Well, never say never. Never say never. When you're 80 years old, you can say never. (laughs) Well, and the other thing I didn't know is that anybody can be made Pope. Anybody can be elected Pope. Right. Steve, you could be elected Pope. Steve could be elected Pope. Oh, heaven forbid. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that. I knew you could do it, but you'd have to be, they'd have to ordain you to priest or deacon priest. And And we've had laymen who were elected Popes in the history of the church way back when. Not recently at our, but just like Steve said, they'd have to, if that ever happened, They'd have to go through a, a rather speedy process of ordaining the man a priest and then making him a bishop. And then from then on, it's fairly easy. Any, uh, most of the popes have been bishops. They've all been bishops, but uh, most of them uh, were bishops long before they were named to the papacy. Okay. Today, usually it's a cardinal. The cardinals are a group of bishops or archbishops who have been given a special role in assisting the current pope, and they, they've been named cardinals. The word cardinal comes from the Latin word cardis, which means hinge, and uh, so they were hinges on the church to assist the current pope or whoever he might be in the governance of the church. And so they would know each other. There's, I think, 130 cardinals in the church today all over the world. So they get together with their meetings and conferences and so forth. So when it comes time to elect a new pope, they they pretty well know each other. Although once in a while, like you said before, there are surprises that come out. You never know. What does the choice of the name, does that signify something? Like uh, Benedict, he was a little more hardline. I don't know. He was a, uh, he admired Benedict XII. 15th. Or the 12th. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he admired him, and that's why he took that's that right. name. Yeah, right. Uh, just like John Paul I admired John the Twenty-Third and Paul the Sixth, and he wanted to continue, continue what they had started. Now, John Paul I was the first man to choose a double name, which yeah. is very common in Europe for a boy to have a double name, you know, mm-hmm. John Lorenzo and, you know, all these kinds of things in the, in the United States. Although it's kind of funny. I was watching, I was watching uh, Andy of Mayberry the other day on TV, and Andy's little son, Opie, had a friend whom he keeps referring to in the series, but you never see him on screen, and his name was Johnny Paul. And yeah. I kept thinking, you remember Johnny Paul? Yeah. And I kept thinking to myself, here I've been watching this thing all my life and I never realized that this could be a prophecy, you know. <laughs> yeah. somebody, somebody in the future is going to be John Paul. But it's common, just like Steve said, that the name of the Pope, the man chooses a name because of his association with one or two people in history that he admires a great deal, who likewise uh, was a pope. So certainly true of John Paul. Well, and I've heard I've heard the the commentators talk about oh Benedict he picked Benedict and mm-hmm. Benedict is a mm-hmm. you know a more traditional hardline Catholic mm-hmm. 
Um, so he's going to be a more traditional hardline pope, and he had that reputation yeah. anyway. Yeah. He so was they not were reading more into it. Oh, they're reading a lot more into it than mm -hmm. what is true. I knew him personally. I mean, I say personally. I mean, I met him and I I knew him, and uh, he was a very gentle soul. Just much more gentle than Pope John Paul II, who everybody praises and mm -hmm. is deserving of praise. But it was a lot easier meeting Benedict than it was meeting, and yet I was really leery of that because I had heard the reputation myself. But he was very kind, very gentle, very a very loving kind of person. Whereas John, John Paul II was a little bit more by the book, you know, he's a little bit more on a, standing on authority and so forth. So, so, but anyway, it worked out. He's a Benedict is a terrific author too. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he's very oh, a scholar. Smart. Yeah, very smart. I love very all smart. his books. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> they made a movie about the two popes. Yeah, yeah. I oh, haven't they? seen it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. It's actually pretty good. Is it? Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've seen it either. Yeah. Sometimes with those, I kind of go. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you've got to kind of take those with a grain of salt. Yeah. They're. Yeah. Sometimes they're accurate. Sometimes not so much. Yeah, they put some filler in. Oh. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it was very interesting to get just the concept of, you know, how that, how that happened, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, what happened there and some of the things that were talked about, maybe that, you know, like you said, though, you, it still is Hollywood. You got to take yeah. some of that factor yeah. into but it. But they, they did portray Benedict as a very kind person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, very good. kind. So he was, he was a very, you would like him very much. If he was sitting at this table, you would, at first you'd be a little nervous because mm -hmm. of his reputation, but he, he would put you at ease immediately. Very much so. The thing that would kind of scare you a little bit was the, the depth of his mind. I mean, mm -hmm. he, was, he, was, oh, yeah. he was a smart Such guy. A mm -hmm. smart guy yeah. So, another interesting thing about uh, the Pope, not only the name, but see, uh, John Paul II was the first Pope who was not Italian for hundreds of years. And he was Polish, and it was the first time that we elected a non-Italian Pope in, in something like 400 years. So uh, that that was it. Now that's common now with Francis being an Argentinian, and I'm sure the next pope not not everybody. There are some Italians who want the pope papacy back again, you know. So they, they would <laughs> like to see an Italian, uh, but it's it no longer goes for granted that it's going to be uh, an Italian. So yeah, the um, it's it's kind of interesting that Benedict was the first pope to resign in 400 years, right, yeah. and then. John Paul was elected, and he's Polish, which is the first time it's happened in 400 years. Uh -huh. Kind of makes you wonder if God went, uh, you know what, maybe we need to take a little yeah. turn here mm -hmm. and, and uh, tweak this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, go off in a different direction for a little bit <laughs> yeah. here, see, see how <laughs> things go. Yeah, exactly. Well, for those of you who are just tuning in, Father Mike is at the mic, and uh, we have Dennis and Tammy Kramer joining us, along with Steve Barry. Welcome mm -hmm. again. Um, I'd like to thank you all for joining us. We're happy you tuned in. Uh, let us know what you think and send us any questions you would like to have Father Mike address on the show. Um, in fact, if you would like to join us, uh, reach out by going to kcdmradio.org and send us your thoughts. 
I did want to give everybody a chance to kind of introduce yourselves at the beginning, and I spaced it off. So <laughs> if you'd like to take a minute and just kind of uh, introduce yourself to the, to the listeners and uh, give a little background on uh, who you are and how you're involved in the church. and uh... I guess I'll start. Okay. Ladies um, first. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds right. Um, I'm Tammy Kramer, and I married into this. Um, <laughs> I need to get me a shirt that says that. In, in more ways than one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I met Dennis and um, I started going to church with him and fell in love with the Catholic faith. And now I am a Eucharistic minister. I usher. <laughs> um, I go help Steve and Deacon out for um, OCIA classes because I went through that and I know how extremely important that is um, to go through those classes and enrich your faith. And even people that are already Catholic that just have any questions or concerns, come sit in our classes because it's it, it truly is a learning experience. And, and it if you're in church and you see these people... Um, at the front where they're sitting in the pews going through this OCIA process, pray for them. Pray for them and, and be with them through their journey. So, you know, I'll go after that, and I'm going to follow up with something that you talked about. But uh, I'm Dennis Kramer, and uh, I, I was born into a Catholic family. My mom was uh, Catholic. My dad was Catholic, and I'm one of 14 children, mm. number 13 in the in the line of 14. Um, so, as far as going to church, uh, we would go to church every week. Uh, she enrolled us in what was then called CCD classes, and <laughs> and uh, we would go once a week. And I just need to follow up, but um, in talking about uh, our faith, uh, it kind of it kind of came and went in my life, and and my mom did a very good job, as well as my dad, of raising us Catholic and uh, got away from the church a little bit and then came back. Uh, and that's thanks to, you know, my relationship with Tammy. And uh, when she did go through what was then RCIA to become Catholic, because we wanted to raise our kids in the Catholic faith, um, uh, she was coming home and talking about things she would learn in RCIA then, that I was completely unaware of and didn't know about my own faith, and I was raised in it. And so when she talks about coming out as a, as a parishioner and, and sitting into one of those sessions or becoming part of that program, it would be very beneficial, even if you were born Catholic, you know, mm-hmm. to uh, a cradle Catholic. If you feel like, you know, I don't know enough about it, I don't learn enough about it, Please, please, you can come out and sit in those sessions and learn. And I've learned so much from from my wife about my faith and getting more involved in our faith and and still learn. So mm-hmm. it, it is a process, but like she said, you know, it, it is um, it's an opportunity to to become involved in the church, and we've become involved in it. And now with Easter season coming up, um, you know, we take that opportunity to get that much more involved with our faith during that that time in the church so mm-hmm. it's a, it's a great opportunity so that's kind of who i am a little bit there's, <laughs> there's a lot more but we don't have enough time 
Um, I'm Steve Barry. I <clears throat> joined the church 23 years ago with Tammy and, and, and Deacon Gary. We all came through the class together. I'm currently involved with OCIA, uh, Catholics Returning Home, St. Vincent's de Paul. I'm a lector. In the past, I've served on the parish council, subcommittees, school board, subcommittees, boosters, all sorts of stuff. But as far as um, my faith, OCIA, my daughter was the final catalyst for me to join the church. She was wanting to join the church. But it all started back in actually 1978. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember seeing John Paul I on TV after he was elected Pope. Mm. And I thought, I really liked that man. I really, there was just something about him. And then I got a book that's sitting here. The English term is Letters from Pope John Paul I. And he writes letters to like Mark Twain. And he does kind of like a homily. And it's you know, I, mean, I hate to interrupt you, but yeah. uh, the one thing that's interesting about John Paul I, and this was long before the Pope was known to be traveling around the world, even though Paul VI traveled around the world a little bit. But John Paul II was the one who got really the reputation of being the traveler. Yeah. But John Paul I, the guy that you're talking about now, he, he, one of the big things he wanted to do while he was Pope was to come to the United States mm. and to go to Mark Twain's birthplace <laughs> oh, in, nice. in uh, Hannibal, Hannibal, Missouri. Missouri. And he wrote that down a couple times. Yeah, he's got he, a letter to he him. Really, uh, he really wanted to go there and see where Mark Twain grew up, you know, mm -hmm. which I find is interesting because Hannibal, Missouri is just our neighbor down the river, yeah, you know. not much so, I mean, <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, but, but he was the reason I started. That's the first time the Catholic Church came onto my radar, and I was 21. And I started to investigate it and look at it. It took me another 20 years before I made that step. Um, I tried to make a step before, but it didn't stay. Mm -hmm. I won't go into details. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had, no, we had no onboarding program at that yeah. time. Yeah. And I've just kind of tossed a book and said, sure. here, read this. Get back to me. Yeah. And I just thought, okay. <laughs> that's not that's not what I'm reading about. And so. that's that's part of, part of the problem too is we throw out these letters like RCIA and yeah. OCIA and CCD. Uh, all those are just letters that indicate different programs about how to come into the church. Mm -hmm. CCD was the older term. I mean, mm -hmm. Confraternity of Christian Doctrine. Uh, it was the catechism. Mm -hmm. And then RCIA was the most recent, well, not the most recent, but it was the, the right of Christian initiation uh, for, for, people that, for, you know, for people that are interested, for adults. And then they've changed that from right to order of right. Christian Correct. initiation of adults. And by initiation, all they mean is being exposed to the teachings of the Catholic Church. Education you know, process. Education process, right. My wife went through it with us. Yeah. She was a lifelong Catholic, and she got a lot out of it. So, um. And you're right, you know, uh, saying that uh, 
uh, it's good for people who are, I mean, I taught RCIA for 10 years, and I still learn things. I'm amazed at it, you know. So. Now, Jean Harvey was my godmother. So okay, I understand. Don't hold that against her. I won't okay. hold that against her. <laughs> so. That's wonderful. <laughs> wonderful one. You was in that class too, weren't you, Tony, with these? No. Was it about the same time? No. No? No, I'm a cradle cap. But oh, that's right. That's well, right. I, yeah. And He's I, a revert. I, 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 yeah, I, I reverted several times. He uses that word that I hate. <laughs> revert. <laughs> but I, I, um, I fell away from the church when I went to college. Uh, while I was at home, my folks were like you. Um, you. You got dressed up and you went to church on Sundays. Mm-hmm. There were no ifs, ands, or buts about No questions that. asked. Nope. Nope. When you got the look for my dad, you knew you were going to church. Yeah. And you knew you were going to like it. <laughs> um, so when I, when I got out of high school and went to college, um, I fell away from the church. And I was away from the church till, well, till my first, till Brett was born. Yeah. And we went back to church and got him baptized and then stayed in the church for a while. And then when the whole um, priest sexual abuse thing came around again, um, it uh, I fell away again. And that was a bad time to fall away because my kids were both middle school, high school mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. And I just quit going to church. So uh, that's a I don't recommend that. Uh, that's a that's a bad time to abandon your faith when your kids are watching. Um, so, um, but I'm back now, uh, and that's a whole. We could probably do a whole show on that whole process. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, well, God has a reason for all of that. You know, a lot of times everybody gets all upset and worried about that. It's a very common thing for teenagers to stop going to church after they after they've been raised Catholic and. And a lot, and not just Catholics, but Protestants as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of parents feel somehow guilty that somehow they've failed their kids when their kids stop going to church. Uh, but part of that, I'm not saying that that's okay or that's ideal. But God has a way of even using that as a way of you know you guys are much stronger now in your faith than you've ever been in your whole life. I think you wouldn't be sitting at this table if you weren't. And uh, so I, God has a way of. You're doing, using even even the things that we think are negative for his own purpose. I would agree. We've seen that with our own kids. You know, mm-hmm. they kind of slipped away a little bit, but they're coming back bigger and better. And I think that's the most important part mm-hmm. is, you know, you, your faith may seem distant, but it, it'll come back. You You just have to give it some time and, you know, pray. Sure, prayer is very important in that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's about giving them the roots, mm-hmm. right? Giving mm-hmm. them the ground. Absolutely. Uh, what's that saying about? I gave you the roots, and now take wings and fly, kind of a thing. Um, but one of the, my dad was a convert. My dad grew up Methodist and um, spent many years trying to find a church to belong to. He went to all of them, tried them all on, and tried them all out. And when he met my mom, my mom was cradle Catholic and he started going to mass with my mom and the light came on and he went, this is, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. Yeah. And it's always amazed me that it, it seems like 
convert people who convert to the Catholic faith, especially as adults, seem to be much stronger Catholics to me. Much I don't know if it's they got a better introduction or a better education about the faith. We've been disappointed by everything else. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind, of, kind of true. I would say that that's true, Tony. Like you said, you know, it, it's uh, when they come into it, they have a much better understanding of it. And and growing up as a Catholic, you know, and and going to those classes, and you know, I I don't remember any of that. I don't remember what they taught me. You know, and and as a kid, you just have a lot of a lot of things going on, you know, and in the formative years like that, there's there's so many things and God has given us the free will sure. to go do, you know, what you want to. And and the best explanation I can say, you know, I, I use that free will for the wrong things, mm-hmm. you know, and for so many years, you know, you're you're roaming around, you know, looking for that, you know, what's going to give me that. Uh, peace that I'm looking for, you know, and when I say peace, that peace of mind that I'm looking for, mm-hmm. that everything's going to be okay. Cause there's times in everybody's life. You're like, I don't, I don't know where we're going or what we're doing, sure. you know, and, and to have that peace of mind early in life. And when Tammy was talking about our kids, that's what I pray for. That's what I wish for, for my kids is to have it a lot sooner than what I have, and then I've accomplished a, a lot, you know, and right. hopefully their kids, and I'm seeing it with my grandkids, you know, they're getting the exposure they need and the understanding they need, you know, what that brings to their life, what God brings to their life at a way younger age than I introduced my own kids. So, you know, I'm trickling, hopefully it's trickling down, you know, and, and uh, so the stronger we get, the stronger mm-hmm. our children get, the stronger their kids get. Absolutely. And and that's that's how I look at it as progressing, you know, progressing the church in my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When when you said CCD, I had a flashback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's part of the problem, you know. Yeah. You you go into a public school, which is fine, mm-hmm. and uh, but you had the, the parents or the priests or whoever. Uh, felt that you needed your religious education too, and which is fine too. But they made you to go to school, or go to religion class on Saturdays or Sundays or Wednesday nights. Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Wednesday night. And yeah. you were kind of forced to do that. Yes. And so, yeah, as a kid, forced. you don't like to be forced to do anything. So it was easy to kind of talk. I, when I was a chaplain in college, I remember a lot of the kids were coming from that background. And they wouldn't show up for church on Sunday at the college chapel, even though we made mass available, even like we made it available 10 o'clock on Sunday night, you know, for those that wanted to sleep in on Sunday. And <laughs> which was terrible. The, the priest just hated to have that mass at 10 o'clock on Sunday night. But uh, anyway, uh, they, I, I found an experience that I thought was really interesting uh, I talked to some of the youngers about it. These are kids now in their late teens, early 20s. And I talked to them, and I found out that many of them would go to Mass during the week. Not every day, but one or they'd choose one or two days during the week, and they'd make sure they went to Mass on a Wednesday or a Friday. But they wouldn't go on Sunday. And I said, well, why don't you go on Sunday? That's the Lord's Day. 
And it, it all went back to the fact that they were forced to go to Mass on Sunday when they were kids. And this was their way of rebelling yeah, against that parental choice. forcing. And, but then maturity took over and they realized, hey, this is kind of dumb, you know. Right. Why can't I go on Sunday, you know. But we tried to make it available 10 o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> Can you imagine? But, but Father Mike said that CCD had catechism in the name. And that's about all it the catechism it had in it because and and I think that's probably one of the biggest problems with with our generation Dennis is that we were sacramentalized but we weren't catechized right. we that's weren't right. taught the faith we got we got first communion and we got confession and we got confirmation and we, you know we we got the sacraments got and the we, highlights we were, and yeah, yeah we were prepared for that but we we didn't I, all of this stuff that I've learned in the last four or five years about the church, is it, it just was never put out there right. for me when I was. Yeah, it wasn't. It was definitely not relatable to what you no. know, was what was going on in my life. I couldn't relate it uh-uh. to anything going on in my life. And when you was talking about going through the sacraments, like first communion, you know, they told you what to say, what to do, and. This is what you do. This is how you do it. Not why. Well, not why. Not That's why right. we're doing this. They never right. explained any of that because we had. It was an hour on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an hour. Yeah. And I know that's a limited amount of time, but you know they never related it to why am I doing this or right. explained why this happens in mass and this happens at a mass and you know each one of the sacraments what it's about. So, and you know, and. Uh, One of my instructors, one of the teachers that I had, we went to her house for CCD, of course, because I grew up in a little, a little town like Weaver, south Mm -hmm. of Marshalltown, and one of our instructors was a divorced woman who was remarried. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and you're going, you know, you find out later, you find this out later, but yeah, at the time you didn't think anything. No, you didn't know it at the time, but you know, you were just a kid, but. You know, when you've got people who aren't really even practicing the faith in the first place, passing it on, it just, I don't know, it, the, the the education that I've had since I came back to the church the second time yeah. <laughs> yes. um, has, been, has been much better because, number one, I put more effort into it. Sure. Yeah. As an adult learner. Yeah. Yes. yes. Cause so you could almost, I'm, it's almost like I'm a convert from Catholicism. So, <laughs> so anyway. Well, you know, that that's true not only with lay people like yourself, but it's true with priests as well. You know, I've learned so much since I've become a priest, not so much in doctrine or, or the catechism. I knew that by the time I was ordained. They wouldn't have ordained me if I didn't have some knowledge. But, you know, just... Uh, just the ordinary interrelationship type things with people, how to relate to people, how to listen to people, how to be concerned about their real problems in life, you know. And that's something that they really didn't teach you in the seminary, you know. They tried, I guess, in their own way, but uh, I've learned a lot of things. I always kid my brother priests about something will come up and I'll just kind of look surprised and say, well, they never taught us anything about that in the seminary. You know? <laughs> in fact, they they discouraged us from certain areas. 
We, I was back during the time of the Vatican Council when nobody knew what was going on and that uh, we couldn't even take modern peri periodicals, newspapers. The rector of the seminary would have one newspaper delivered to the seminary. He would go through it with the scissors oh. and cut out anything he didn't think was appropriate for a 25-year-old man to read. Mm. And so, and with that kind of attitude, we were sent into the confessional to deal with every kind of human problem that there is, you know. So... Uh, so there, there are faults on all sides. Oh, sure. Goodness. And that was in seminary. In seminary, yes. Absolutely. So you were in the seminary during Vatican II? I was in the seminary Vatican, Vatican II. It started in 62. I went in the seminary in 61. And the Vatican Council went from 62 to 65. Mm -hmm. And so I got out. I was ordained a priest in uh, 69 when the changes were coming, just coming in. I had to take Latin. Uh, I, I wanted to take Spanish and German and, and French, and I wanted to be well-rounded in that regard. They wouldn't let me take those languages because I had to take Latin all the time I was in the seminary. had 10 years of Latin, and uh, as soon as I was ordained, they changed it. So, <laughs> so I thought, well, so much for far-looking people, you know. <laughs> But I'm glad I took it. I mean, I'm glad now because I didn't realize I would be involved in something like this, you know, and that all comes in handy. Well, you know? it's starting to come back around, too. Yeah, certainly. The yeah. Latin masses. Yeah, not only the Latin, but it's good to have the education and all that, mm -hmm. you know. So I never wanted to teach, and I wound up teaching half of my priesthood, you know, so involved in schools, so. It shows you that God has an, we may think that we have a plan for our life, but God has a plan for <laughs> yeah. it, and sometimes they're not the same. Yeah. What's that old saying about, if you want to make God, God laugh, laugh, make plans? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell him your plans. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah absolutely. Um, well, we've talked about, uh, we've mentioned our kids several times. Um, let's talk a little bit about all of our children are grown now, and out on their own, and some of us have grandchildren. Jealous. Really jealous. <laughs> Grandkids first. Yes. Oh. Grandkids are always first. Best thing ever. Yes. <laughs> it is. Well, for Christmas, we got our granddaughter and grandson a um, mass set Ooh. that they could play with. Um, I've never had the Eucharist so much in my life. <laughs> They'd come through. One would be carrying the cross, and the other one would be carrying the Eucharist. Really? Body of Christ. <laughs> that's amazing amen that's amazing yeah, it was a lot of yeah, fun they go to church and they watch they we got on this because they were um, playing you know doing their using their imagination and playing church and, and one of them was carrying a tripod around like it was the cross, oh, like the cross. Okay. <laughs> processing down the sure. aisle you know and he was carrying it and then the other one was carrying Whatever she had in her hand was offering the body of Christ to come. Well, they watch you. you know, oh, they do. Yes, very they do. Weird. They watch everything you do. So, like I was saying, they they pay attention, and, and so they know. They know more at their young age than yeah. It's like Deacon Gary's grandson. You yeah. see him at Mass, he'll be going like, oh, yeah. holding up the body of Christ. Yes. I think he got, they He's got just, him the same yeah, set. Yeah, because he was asking about so it. So I was like, now all we need to do is get investment. I've seen him. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I've seen him. Deacon has shown me videos of him processing. Yes, uh, it's oh, so yeah. funny. Yeah. It's amazing. 
What kind of advice would you give to parents raising kids today? I know when we were, when I was raising my kids, there was no internet. There were no cell phones. I think you touched on it, Tony. Like when you uh, talk about, uh, you have to be that example. Mm-hmm. You, you have to be the example of, you know, and not be afraid to be that example or to, to put yourself out there. Cause there's some things about the church that I'm, I'm completely clueless about, you know, but if you, if you're that example and talk to them about it and learn about it, you know, your kids at that age, like when they're in high school or even younger, you know, when they're in formative years until they're an adult, you know, they'll understand what you're talking to them about, mm-hmm. you know, and become curious and make it relatable to them. You know, how is it impacting their life? How does this impact me? You know, and in and, and talking to some of the people I know now, you know, you see, you see Christ in them and, and they want to be more like Christ, but they don't know why they're being that way. And if you talk to them a little bit and explain it to them, they, they start thinking, you know, what is he, what is he talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, but to relate that to my kids, you know, cause we got away from the church when our kids were like in their teenage years and, and one of, you know, you have regrets. And that's one mm-hmm. of the regrets because I've, I've set them back now, you know, 10 years, 15 years, you know, yeah. and I could have been had another 15 years, you know, to impress upon them how important, you know, Christ is in their life and how, how important it is to celebrate that. Yeah. And then we started going back to church and um, the kids were going away to college and Kirsten went to a, um, a Catholic college. She went to Ambrose. And so, that, I mean, that's the first thing that we've done. Every move that our kids have made, when we go to that town, we take them to the closest Catholic church so that they know where they're, even in college, we did the same thing, find a Newman Center, those kind of things. But that was after we started getting back into mm-hmm. our faith. But when Kirsten came home from college, she said, ask her um, Uncle John, John Champagne, to start a Bible study. And because he'd been doing them down in Florida and that's kind of what got our faith really rolling. I think you did the class. Yeah. 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 And, um, her faith just really blossomed and we're like, man, we, we really screwed up some years here. So now we got some making up to do. And so that's, that's what we do. We, and we don't go without, you know, when we go away and to see the kids, we go to mass. You know, mm-hmm. And, you know, it might interfere with plans that other people have, but it's like, no, we're going to Mass. We're attending Mass. So. Yeah. It, always, it always seems to work out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We do. We do that, too. When we're in St. Louis with, with Brett or Des Moines with Chelsea, um, it's like, okay, start looking. What are you doing? I'm looking up, figuring out where the closest church is <laughs> that we're going to go to. And then, ah, do you have to do that? <laughs> Yep. No, I don't have yep. to do that. I get to. I want to do yeah. that. Yeah, I get to do I that. get to do that. Well, and you get to see some beautiful, beautiful churches. I mean, we went to the Basilica in um, yeah. Alexandria, Virginia. Virginia. Beautiful. It is beautiful. beautiful. And, and then there are other churches like the one in my hometown. I remember uh, when my dad passed away and uh, I, I, we came back and had the funeral at St. Mary's in Marshalltown. Because the other church in town, my dad absolutely hated because the uh, tabernacle was up in the 
back corner of the church and when they went to get communion for communion the deacon has to go down and walk up through the crowd into the back corner of the church and get bring the and bring it back down and when they're done they have to take it back up mm. in the back corner and when I went to that church for my uncle's funeral when we walked in they had the doors open and they had a projector showing the pictures from the funeral over the altar and I was going oh, oh no <laughs> So it, it was, it's just, you find one like that and you go, you know, you walk into a church and you start looking around going, where's the tabernacle? Where's the, where's the tabernacle? <laughs> and you finally ask somebody and they go, oh yeah, it's over here. Yeah. That's really, what? That's it was in the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you know what we priests went through during that time. Oh yeah. Because yeah. every place was different and some places were more bizarre than other places, oh. you know, and it's just... Uh, it was it was difficult. So, all right. Well, guess what? We have uh, you've survived. <laughs> it wasn't too hard, was it? No. no. It's always a joy talking to you guys. And a lot of people get nervous when they come here. You know, at first, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's just a nice little conversation around the table, around the microphone, and among friends. And I will among say. Friends, I will say, Father Mike, I always enjoy my conversations with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Always, because I always, I always take something away from it. Well, thank you. you know, I appreciate that. That's, that's, a, that's a credit to you. I will go on record saying I do enjoy your homilies. I do too. Because I come from churches where you're in there for two and a half hours. I know it. I know it. Yeah, I'm thinking... People are going, come on, people, come on. This is good stuff here. <laughs> so, yeah, I enjoy it. Well, I appreciate that very much. Well, I'm glad that Tony brought you to this yeah. because you have so much knowledge about uh, the Catholic faith. You know, if somebody doesn't want to exploit that, they're mistaken. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. exactly. we, we need to do that because you you've done such a great thing for the Catholic faith, you know, becoming a priest and, and this is, this is what you do and, and you're very good at it. So I do well, appreciate you. Yes, I appreciate you're that. very thankful. Well, I'm very grateful to be part of this. So. You, you truly are a treasure, Father Mike. Oh, no, come on. If you look up no, priest in the dictionary and see his We're going to have to widen the doorway. <laughs> well, <laughs> meaning you're not, my head's going to be so big here. We're trying to atone for our sins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Father Mike, would you, uh, would you uh, close us up with a prayer here? I sure will. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for our time together tonight, for opening up our minds and our hearts to understand more deeply the wonderful truth that our faith gives us. Give us the strength, O Lord, to continue working with that faith in everything that we say and do and grant your peace to this world that desperately needs it, as well as your mercy. We ask all of this now through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Mike. And thank you, Dennis and Tammy. appreciate you joining us. Steve, appreciate you joining us. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll uh, ask you to come back again if you're, if you're up for that. And, and Father Mike, uh, this has got to be one of the only religion shows that can weave Mayberry and Andy Griffin yeah. and <laughs> Opie Taylor into the discussion and have it make sense. Have so, it make sense. It's good. I appreciate that. Well, I have a lot more where that came from. So. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, until we gather around the table again, we invite you to come home to the Catholic Church. Consider this a personal invitation to join us at Mass. And if you are attending Mass, invite someone to join you. I'd also like to thank our listeners for tuning in. Please join us again on the radio or listen on the website at kcdmradio.org. Until then, remember, God loves you and has a plan for your life. If you seem to be searching for more, God is the answer. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. 